Welcome to Prepped. My name is John Wood. Prepped is a series of interviews to focus on hospitality operations, but particularly right now, on how the sector is adapting during these unprecedented times with COVID-19. My background? Well, I'm a Michelin-style chef with over 35 years of experience of running some of the world's best restaurants and hotels across four continents. And I'm the co-founder of Kitchen Cut. Throughout this podcast series, I'll be speaking to a variety of operators and experts to see how they're doing, what their current situation is, and what their recommendations are for the future. So join me on this episode, and as always, you can send me any questions or simply connect on Twitter at Prepped John Wood. I'm really pleased that today on this interview, we've got uh, Henry Cripps. Henry has a wealth of experience in the hospitality industry, working with Longchop PLC at three of their sites, including the famous Groucho Club. And in 2006, he started his own business uh, with Green Oak in Windsor, and then setting up Tally Ho Holdings 14 years ago, uh, which he now owns and operates three excellent operations, uh, the White Oak in Cookham, the Three Oaks in Gerald's Cross, and the superb number five restaurant in Beaconsfield. Henry runs these operations with his wife, Catherine, and as a frequent customer, I've never had a disappointing meal or experience. Welcome, Henry. That, thank you, uh, amazing intro. <laughs> Very How good. are you? Thank you, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. The sun is shining. Um, so, I, I, you know, it'd be awful if, it, if we had terrible weather as well as the, miserable situation we all find ourselves in although interesting at the same time because no one's got any experience of what to do so um every day is a challenge yeah i would imagine it's completely different to for many people yeah it is, it's not just hospitality it's just everything and and what what is your day consist of now typically then what are you what are you doing all sorts of things bizarrely i mean a lot more the stuff that most business people don't get particularly excited about so looking at contracts, look, you know, sort of the suppliers, um, not in terms of what they give you, but the, the relationship wise of how we manage our way through this process. So a lot of my time is trying to work out how we're going to get to the point wherever that is of when we're allowed to open. What's that going to look like? How long potentially will we be restricted in what we can do and how long before we could get anywhere near from a business point of view, the profitability we had not that long ago, and what other aspects of our business we're going to have to develop to help us do that. Because to think that it's going to go back to normal straight away, I think is, I wouldn't say foolish, but I don't mean foolish, but it's just not possible. How, how we re-emerge, what that's going to look like, and how long it's going to take, and what new things are we going to be doing, and what things are we going to be cutting, I think is the thing that kind of takes over the whole day really you know and then everything fills into the gaps around that yeah it, it like i say it's very interesting times at the moment and and before the lockdown you know before we were all told now we need to stop and and uh, stop what we're doing and, and sort of you know tie things up and close doors what what did you have in place and what were your plans you know for for your operations and what were you doing and, and tell us a little bit about that well fortunately for us we just had our best year ever in 2019 and our best January and February ever um, this year. So we were as well placed as we could have been for something like this that no one saw coming. We had, we were sort of in the early stages of looking at doing another site. I do some work for other people as well. I was looking at potentially developing that. Um, 
and we were we were in growth so managing that on a day-to-day -day basis is always quite tricky anyway and takes up an awful lot of your time and it's funny how some of those little things that used to annoy me every day i now miss so much <laughs> um, it's definitely interesting it's i think the future now is very much about re-emerging um, it's like having a jigsaw puzzle but you're given a new piece every week rather than the whole box to fill and you're kind of waiting for that next delivery or that next announcement like mr gove said yesterday that hospitality will probably be the, one of the last ones to open so what does that mean does that mean july does that mean august does that mean september does that mean later yeah you know we're kind of thinking ahead to christmas already which is very early normally we're thinking about that in august whereas we're kind of touching on it now as it were because we we don't know what we're planning for which is a really interesting position to be in normally in restaurants you can plan everything because you know when mother's day is you know when valentine's day is you know when christmas is whereas at the moment we on a day-to-day -day basis the information about the future is non-existent yeah because there's nothing we're building towards something but we don't know when it is very strange situation to be in um, not just for us but for all of our team of course as well you know i can't wait to see them i'm actually really looking forward to it we talk to them a lot and have quizzes and stuff online we're going to start doing some training but you know, you miss, it's, it's like having a family, you, you can't see them. You know, I can't see my parents, but I can't see my team either. It's, it's frustrating, yeah. <laughs> to say the least. It's, it's uh, yeah, like I say, it's, it's people, we're, we're in the people business. It's interesting though, but that is the, when you, if you're looking to buy or sell a business or value a business, it's funny, it's all on spreadsheets, it's all numbers. But the reality is, like you say, there is only one real true asset of a hospitality business, and that's the people. You know, they're the creators. They're the ones that look after the, the customers who come in, you know, seven days a week. There's almost a thing that if you, I think I might've said it to you before, but if you go to a restaurant and have an average meal, but with great service, you'll probably give it a go again. But if you go to a restaurant and have an amazing meal with terrible service, you won't. And it shows you the importance and value of the people in that business, probably against any other element of it. But of course, the popularity and the success of the business is about building that package. But the foundations of that are the team. And thankfully, amongst all of the carnage in our industry at the moment, the key element of it is being protected. That's what makes you so good, Henry. What you do is, is, is understanding that people are at the forefront of this. And, and that is your people. You know, um, a lot of people say, yeah, well, customer is king you know we must always focus on the customer they tend to forget about their own people but without those the customer doesn't feel like a king you can't uh, you can't treat someone with like a king if you don't know how to do it or more importantly want to you know there's a great thing in hospitality that there's an old saying is you can teach anyone to carry a plate that's true but you can't teach someone to carry it with style and panache and passion you know I would always, when we're recruiting, it's interesting, we always want to meet people. The reality is, is when they come in, if they're small and they're friendly and they're engaging, that's so much more important than a CV with 15 years worth of experience at various other restaurants, if they come in and they're just sort of functionary. And so it kind of all builds from there. And, you know, customer is king, that's great, but, and true, obviously, <laughs> you know, but the reality is, is why is the customer king? The customer is king because they want to come to your establishment in reality to see your people. That's what it is. Because they, 
feel relaxed, it's comforting, they enjoy it, they love what you do. And that's not me as the business owner. Yeah. That's the team that we have in place that do that. It's that simple. And when you when you talk about recruiting, I mean, would you would you apply the same philosophy for chefs or front of house? The different sections of a restaurant work in different ways. The front of house, which is my background, is you you've got to enjoy it. it it's I find it very difficult to do things that I don't enjoy well. I mean, I'll do it, but I'll do it as quickly and as you know, I'll do the sort of the minimum, like the filling the dishwasher, although I've been taught very well by my wife how to do it because you must rinse the, it's a, it's a rinsing machine. It's not a washing machine, <laughs> for example. But, you know, when you're looking after people, the whole point is hospitality by definition is the embrace, embracing people. So you want them to walk through your, the threshold of your door. The moment they come in, you should do everything within your power to make them leave happier. And sorry, to go back to your question about the, the kitchen and the front of house. Yeah, the kitchen, even though they, they don't really get to be seen or uh, to see the customers, the kitchen team have to get on. You know, if you've got five chefs in there in an in a enclosed, white, boxed, hot room that's under pressure during service and then during prep, depending on how busy they've been the day before or what it might be, if they don't get on, it's, you know, you're, you're sort of, You've got one arm tied behind your back. The person within the person is as important as the skill set. I mean, I had a chat with one of our head chefs not too long ago, and we were talking about um, a possible recruit, a decision between two people. And it was actually the attitude of one who had less skill won the day for them because, you know, someone whose passion will pick up and learn and ask questions and that sort of thing. When, when push really comes to shove on Saturday night and something goes wrong or something happens, you know, someone's called in sick, can you rely on that person? Yes, because the attitude's there. Yeah, it is all about the attitude, you know, whether it's front or back of house. Um, just going back to sort of, you know, what your predictions are um, on what you think the hospitality landscape is going to look like sort of medium to long term. Obviously, one day we're going to all return to normal and everything's going to be fantastic. And that's what we're hoping for is... But, you know, what do you think the landscape's going to look like? Or what are your predictions on that, you know, once we, we sort of you know, start to open up the other end? The honest answer is I have no idea. Yeah. The, but what I think may happen is I think that, um, as Mr. Gove's already said, we'll be one of the last industries to open. So we don't know when that will be. I mean, I guess tentatively August at the earliest. Mm. Um, it also think, I think depends on the makeup of your site. Have you got outside space? Because you might be allowed to serve people outside before inside, I'm guessing. If they say that you have to have social distancing of two meters, how does that practically work in a restaurant? You know, you might only have a thousand square foot. You know, you might have 25 covers. Um, what does that mean? You've now got 10. Do the numbers work serving 10 people? I mean, I read an interesting article the other day about most restaurants survive on Friday, Saturday night and Sunday lunch over a course of a seven day cycle because you max out on those evenings as best as you can. But if you've got social distancing in place, does that mean you're even going to be able to hit your break even? I think in the short term, that's a real consideration that everyone's got, and especially when it comes to things like takeaway and things like that. You know, the actual monetary value against all the costs that you incur doing it, is it feasible? I think in the medium term, I think people will want to go out. 
um, and want to celebrate that they're allowed to. I think that won't last as long as some people are predicting. I think that will be a two to three week cycle, maybe four, and then it will come back down again. And I think in the sort of over the next six months, people are still going to be very wary because I don't think until there's a vaccine the you know, in, in the human psychology, people are going to really go back to normal. And I think in the very long term, if the economy is dropped by 30, a third, so 33%, for that to recover and get into growth, I can't, I'm not an economist, but I don't really believe that can happen inside 12 months. You know, I think it's a two to three year project, you know, and certainly all the business plans we're doing on the future in terms of the turnover and how we're looking at our cost implications and that sort of thing. We're kind of, when I talk to accountants and other restaurateurs, you know, people are talking about 50% of what they were doing, 60%, 70%, but no one's talking about more than 70% in the short term. And so we're going to have to bring our costs down to accommodate that or strip back menus or whatever it might be. But there's going to have to be an awful lot of change for restaurants to survive this going forward. Um, because, of course, what are our biggest bills? Our costs. So we're not buying any food or drink. So you remove that. It's rent and people. And the, the, one of the things that really worries me about the whole process is the furlough scheme is quite a short term, even though it's been extended for a month is when we come off furlough and businesses are doing 60 or 70% of what they were doing, what happens then? Because ultimately not everyone will be able to afford all of the team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think we've already seen between half a million and a million redundancies or job losses in hospitality. And I think it's 6 million people employed. You know, what's that number going to increase to um, in the next sort of four to five months? So that's quite a big worry for me because you know, we, we don't have thousands of staff, but every single one's important. Um, and how do we look after them all, as well as our customers, as well as the future of the business for everyone, not just me as the owner, but, you know, the, the collective whole, because that's got to be a priority going forward. Yeah. I think it's, I say, it's what you then do now will determine and dictate what's going to happen in the future. And on that, you know, um, looking at uh, optimistically is um, what can we learn from this? What do you think from a, from a crisis like this that, you know, there's always something we can learn, you know, and what do you think that could be? And are we going to come out leaner and fitter and smarter and sharper out the other end? I think the, 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 yeah, the biggest thing that I've learned is, you know, I, we, we had had, I say had, we have, I'm not sure what the correct phrase at the moment is. We have very successful businesses. Um, we're fortunate that in that respect because it helps us get through this. I think that the, the sort of brittle nature of hospitality is being exposed dramatically in this process. I mean, we've already seen some big chains go. Lots of uh, chains have had funding pulled. Lots of small businesses are going to go. Lots of pubs, country pubs, everything. And I think the whole industry needs pivoting, I would say, in the sense of, I think the industry is over-rented. I think that the business rates problem is is sort of, uh, although the government have amazingly done something about that, I just think the cost controls, I think VAT in hospitality in this country is too high, whereas in most other countries in Europe, there's a different level. Um, I think there are so many elements that are up, that hospitality, or let's say mountains, that hospitality have to reclimb, having got to a, a sort of getting near the top, 
um, that there's definitely a thinning of the hospitality. So any, anyone left at the other side um, will have a greater opportunity of a customer base due to less choice, because I think there is too much. Positives wise, I think every single person in my position will be looking at their business yeah. and looking at ways to improve it, make it more efficient. Yeah. And also what other strings to their bow can they add that can add turnover? You know, I probably, one thing I've learned in this is I've probably been quite a lazy operator over the last couple of years because we were successful and I wasn't hungry enough to try and add more. I mean, I would have looked at it three months ago as being greedy, trying to always make money. But the reality is now is you have to kind of look at it and think what opportunity is there to ensure the safety of the business. So you're not looking at it about money making, you're looking at it about securing the future of you and your team and your businesses. Yeah. So, you know, whether that be takeaway, whether that be delivery or click and collect or how that works, um, as well as any other ideas or, you know, Oaks pubs at home, but will people want that with social distancing i mean there's lots of different things we can do but now they all seem to be sensible um options whereas six months ago they were kind of looked at well like well how are we really going to make that work or whatever there's a lot more of an urgency to make things work i think that's the key which almost feels like i'm opening another business again so it's, there is an element of excitement about it but i think it's because i've had to pivot from a mentality point of view of to what we're doing and how we're going to go forward if you were advising a business, um, you know, from a consultative point of view, or wanted to sort of send a message out to sort of the hospitality industry, is what would that message be? What would you say to them? You need to be thinking of now, um, so you're you're ready when you come out the other side, but also how you how you plan for that. Well, that's a tough one because there's so many different types of businesses, but I think everyone's got to look at their forecasts and think, can it work? I think if you get to, that's the first question. If you think it can work, it's there is no such thing as a bad idea. Historically, I would have thought, ah, it sounds like too much effort or uh, I don't think that will work because you didn't want to disrupt your current day to day. You know, anything that came on was to be uh, complementary, whereas not seen as disruptive to take your eye off what you were doing. Whereas now I think that the, uh, the way to look at it is you've got to you've got to think everything through. You've got time, you know. There's, you know, I don't even need to wear a watch at the moment. It, every idea, every suggestion, every kind of thing that pops out of something you've read, explore it, sort of research it, see who else is doing something similar. I mean, I've seen a couple of things, and I've just rung them and said, "How's that working for you?" And everyone's been very open and very helpful and very friendly. Or where are you getting those boxes from? And you know that sort of thing. And I think that hospitality needs to come together. We've always been an industry where everyone's quite shy, for want of a better word, and in being overly um, revealing about what the reality of their business. Whereas I think if we come together, I think we can help each other. Because I might have an idea and I'm not doing, but someone else might see a different way to do it or a tweak on it that makes it work. And, you know, good luck to them. Yeah, it's always been very competitive and cutthroat, and and um, there's a lot of operators you know, that, that see everybody as a a competitor um, and and actually wanting to hide everything from them and paranoid about them getting their famous chicken sauce recipe or whatever it is. <laughs> Um, and, and not sharing the information. Well, I think you're, you're right. I think you know, it's when they come out the other end, it's going to be 
Um, uh, we need to all support each other from a hospitality point of view. And yes, you know, we are still fighting for the same piece of business and maybe less business in fairness. Uh, so there is going to be a competitive edge to it. But I think, you know, it's about sharing best practices and sharing ideas of how to cope with this and, and to cope with coming out the other side. And if we can all come out, you know, healthier, then that's, that's only great for everyone. You know, nobody wants it. You know as well as I know how hard that is to, to open a business, manage a business. You sleep and dream and, you know, that everything is around the business. And you know the effort and pain and tears and, and work that goes into that. And it's sad when, when businesses can't succeed. So I think, you know, if, if we can join together and, and help and support each other, I think that's only a good thing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's funny that all those sort of things you say sort of sweat, blood and tears and sleepless nights. And I do miss it, though. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. Think yeah. I really I miss looking at my phone first thing in the morning to see, you know, if anything's happened or the emails or whatever it might be or the customer interaction. I mean, it's it's tragic, really, what's happening. But at the same time, like I said earlier, what the government are doing in some respects, I think, has possibly rescued our industry to a certain degree and the, and the way they've done it with the grants to small businesses, not all of my businesses qualify for that because of our rental value. I think they, 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 what they've done, I think is pretty amazing. I think could be, you know, a lot of people are saying they should do more and they should, but you know, what they've already, what the furlough scheme is going to cost for those three months is more than the emergent services budget a year. So it shows you how dramatic that is. But yeah, coming back to your point, you know, hospitality hasn't always been a very helpful industry to each other. We've all got friends and connections who we all rely on and ask advice for. But I think at the moment, you know, as an industry, I think we really need to look out for each other and help. Now, it might be that a, a restaurants like mine or gastro pubs, um, you know, people want to advise. We all thrived beforehand together in competition. So there's no reason we can't thrive on a friendly basis, but still in competition going forward. Well, we're all meant to be, um, you know, we, we look like people. <laughs> Generally, you go into hospital, hospitality because you like people. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's making sure you continue to do that. Henry, and I, I really appreciate you taking time. Good luck with everything. And I wish you all the best with everything as well that you're doing. Yeah. John, thank you very much. And thank you for your time as always. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Next time, we'll be talking to John Benson-Smith, a hospitality industry legend, having consulted for everyone from three-star Michelin restaurants to football stadiums and NHS hospitals. John has a wealth of knowledge and his straight-talking approach is refreshing for many people, including me. I hope you can join us. And until then, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at PreppedJohnWood and make sure you follow Prepped on all major podcast platforms so you never miss out. Until then, stay healthy and stay safe.